Shelly Fabre. Oh, yeah. She was in. Oh, she was in a bunch of things with him, I guess. She sang Johnny Angel. Um, uh, she was in Girl Happy, Spin Out, and Clam Bake. She was on Coach. She was on Coach, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to talk to somebody from one of the lesser of the Elvis films. I think that's fair. Your Roust About, Your Fall of That Dream, Your Kid Galahad? Was that the... Yeah, you think, yeah, uh, you think About is a lesser film? Oh, it's been a while since I've seen it. <laughs> going to be honest with you. It's okay. I feel like everything post, well, you got Blue Hawaii, which is lovely. You got your Jailhouse Rock. Viva Las Vegas. Your Viva Las Vegas. And My then after that, favorite. yeah, likewise. But after that, this is why with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. This week has been nothing but a plethora of amazing animal stories. I know. I mean, that, that one about the dogs forced to watch, I guess forced is the wrong word, rewarded right. with the performance of Goodman Charlie Brown. True. <laughs> like Ringo would have been all about it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Would have loved it. But you said but... that, and my first thought was, oh my, if we could only interview one of those dogs. I know. But then I was like, no, I would rather interview the actor. Oh my gosh, you're right. Wait, you're I in, we could, yes. Could we, we get have Snoopy? To, we have to. I don't know that it was a good man, Charlie Brown. I oh, just, I just, I they didn't say what the show was. I just felt that perhaps you know, if you're committing your life to service, you should get a showing of Hamilton and not a mm-hmm. high school production of your good man, Charlie Brown. Nothing against it. I just sure. think you're committing your life to service. You should get some honor, right? But. I feel we could find the actors that would be or the directors. Because what goes through your head? I mean, you know what's happening. You know that when you walk out on that stage, your entire audience will be service dogs and they will be staring at you. Right. Is it a full orchestra or is it just a guy with a piano? I would think a full orchestra, right? So you have the overture, curtain opens. And let's be honest, like you... You come into that, you you know what you're going to see when the curtain opens. Yeah. Right? Well, you know you're going to see dogs staring back at you. Well, you know some this. of them. I mean, it depends. Like the rejects, the ones that aren't going to make it through the program, might be running up another aisles, might be True, humping but, another dog in the back sure. row. Okay, fine. Well, at least it's in the back row. But yes. but as an actor, as a performer, you know you're going to be performing for a, a room full of, of dogs. Yes. Service dogs, though they may be, and thank you for your service if, if they're listening. Yes. yes. But I think when that curtain opens, there's got to be another thing kicks in in your head where you just go, oh, it's all dogs. I don't know if you can prepare for that. Probably not. I mean, we you used know? to... Like at the Lions Club when we did dinner theater, they used to bring kittens, dogs. No, oh. they brought, but it wasn't just dogs. Like it would be kittens a leader dog well. in training. No, that would come. Right. But yeah, Squirrels if it was a whole, and... yes, a whole audience of dogs. Right. And how do you stop from going down to like sit with them and pet them instead of? I'm not. And if you are a good man, Charlie Brown, and you're in a giant Snoopy costume, like, that's scary. 
Definitely. There's got to be some sort of, um, I guess it depends how into the character you are, right? True. I don't know. It's, I left that article with a lot more questions than I had answers, I felt like. I know, but they're dogs. Like, do they, because dogs love unconditionally, right? So it, no matter how bad your performance, are they going to, like, be so excited to see you at Curtain Call? I don't know. I mean, dogs do love, like you said, unconditionally, but do dogs love avant-garde theater? Or do, do they do that 45-degree angle headcock of, like, well, what? I'm doing that because I don't know when your good man Charlie Brown became avant-garde. Well, no, but just in general, I'm trying to think of other theater. Let's say like, it wasn't your good man Charlie Brown. Was waiting for Godot. Uh, Godot, uh, Stomp, uh, not really avant-garde, but see, I feel no, but I feel like Stomp. That would be a really good test because they'd probably be terrified. It'd be like a two-hour thunderstorm. That would be right. cool. I mean, Blue Man Group. Oh, They'd probably dear, get into that because they're shooting stuff out at them. I've never seen it. And I can try to always ask people what it's about and no one can explain it. I know. We still need a Blue Man Group person. They've been on the list from Which makes me on. feel like, I don't think I want to see the show if you can't tell me what it's about. No, I agree. But I do want to talk to one of the Blue Men. Yeah, because I want to find out what the show is about. People always say that their particular sport is great because it combines the physical with the mental. You always hear that about hockey and about football. And it seems like chess boxing may be the only sport that can truly make such a claim. Can you explain the rules of the sport to start? Absolutely. So yeah, but chess boxing definitely gives brain and brawn a, a whole nother level. It's, it's very on the nose uh, because you are alternating between the, the combat sport boxing and the, the board game chess. So um Let's say you and I were going through a chess boxing match. What we would do is we would actually It'd be a start... quick one. That'd be one thing. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> so we, we actually start on the board and it's really hard to win in the first round on the board. So we start out playing three minutes of speed chess. We're going back and forth. And let's say, you know, you make two terrible moves and you see checkmate coming and, you know, in the next move or two, you can just kind of wait out the clock. And still hmm. survive the first round to get to the first boxing round. So I'll tell you a story a little later from the last world championship where I had to do something kind of similar. But first to go through all the rules, after the first round of chess, you have one minute to, take, to, to put on your gloves. They move the board out of the ring. And then yeah, you start a three-minute boxing round. So just like professional boxing, there's no helmet. Um, you're, you're wearing 12 ounce or 10 ounce gloves, depending on your weight class and you're going at it. I mean, you're, you're one of the ways that you can win is knockout. So if you knock them out, it's over. You don't have to go back to the board. You don't have to continue the match. You, you win. And if both of you survive that three minute boxing round, you have one minute to take off your gloves, go back to the center of the, the ring where they replace the board and you sit back down and pick up the game where you left off. So Let's say in that third round, things get interesting and someone checkmates someone else. That's another way that you can win by trapping the king, making sure it has no squares to move to, and uh, and that's it. Another way you can win is by time. So because we're making a move, hitting our timer, and there's this running clock counting down for one of us at all times, if either of us hits zero, then that counts as checkmate too. So I could be beating you up in the ring. I could be I could have a winning position on the board. But if my timer runs out, I still lose. And how did this sport start? 
I believe the French are involved. <laughs> so actually, a Dutchman named uh, well, is, is the founder of the sport, um, and he teamed up with this other guy. Uh, they were both inspired by this comic book series that included chess boxing, and they wanted to see if they could make a rule set uh, that real people could compete in based off of this artistic kind of inspiration. So they made a, a rule set. They competed in the first ever chess boxing match in 2003. And ever since, over the last 17 years, they've been iterating on that rule set, making it more open for um, not just hobbyists like like me to get involved, but children and youth programs to grow up with the sport. So they're really focused on the long-term building a community of people that enjoy expressing themselves and competing in this brain and brawn chess and boxing kind of way. So how did you get involved? <laughs> so uh, I, I was an amateur boxer in college. I went to University of Georgia. I competed on their club team. And uh, in one of my matches, I, I got a shoulder injury. And after the match, I, I had to get surgery to repair my shoulder. So as I was sitting in my recovery bed, I had a laptop on my uh, lap for most of that recovery. I was watching YouTube videos, a lot of like old fights and stuff I just kind of enjoy watching. And I was also playing online chess uh, because I grew up playing competitive chess and it's it's a, it's a fun pastime for me. So um, the, the beauty of Google uh, and YouTube and, and the like spying on you is that they get to know you pretty well. And as I was watching YouTube, there was a video on my sidebar that said chess boxing, and it was next up. And I said, this has got to be made up. And it auto-played for me, didn't even have to click on it. <laughs> and I watched my first ever chess boxing match and got absolutely <laughs> obsessed. And so, you know, people ask, how did I ch find chess boxing? It's like, it, it actually found me. Um, you know, both of these were passions in my life. My search history had that my, you know, um, you could look at any of my social media feeds and see that I, I enjoyed doing both. Uh, but I, I didn't know that this sport existed. I didn't know what to look for, uh, if there was something to look for. So it just, it popped up and, and because I had so much recovery time, um, after the surgery, I got to watch every single video, read every article, and reach out to the founder of Chess Boxing, Ipe, uh, about the, the sport and about competing in it. And uh, he was really excited to hear from an American. There hadn't been an American compete um, on, on a world championship level yet. And so I, I reached out to him. I said, hey, I'm interested in doing this. And he said, great. We have an event in about three months. Can you be ready by then? I said, I won't even be clear to hit a heavy bag then. <laughs> so <laughs> I need... So yes, I need, I'm in. <laughs> so I, I need to get healthy. Um, but I, I was able to recover and stay in touch with Ipe. And when the time came, I was I was able to to participate. So what was that first fight? Do you call them fights? Do you call them matches? What was that like? Yeah, I, I guess match, but I, I don't okay. think it really matters. Um, yeah, so the, the first one was really kind of intense. I, I went from zero to 100. So um, I got healthy. I reached back out to Ipe. He said that the next event is in eight weeks, and they don't know when an event is going to be scheduled after that. I said, eight weeks is kind of tight, but I think I can make it work. And he said, great. It's actually the world championship, and it's in Calcutta, India. Of course. Of course. So it's <laughs> And I said, okay, like that might be a little bit more than I, I signed up for here. Like that's all the way across the world. That's against the best people in the world at this sport. I've never done it. 
you know, I don't know how I feel about that. And he said, well, if you do it, you'll be the first American to ever compete in the world championship. Mm. And anything I can do to help, you know, make this happen, I, I want to do. I said, okay, well, just let me sleep on it. Let me talk to some people and I'll get back to you. So slept on it, uh, talked to some people. The next day I told him, hey, I am all the way in. And one of the reasons I, I said that is I, because of my career. So I, I run a nonprofit called Brawl for a Cause. What Brawl for a Cause does is it gets first timers, people that have never boxed before, into the ring to fight for a charity that they personally believe in. So they choose a cause. We train them for 60 days. They fundraise for their cause. And then everyone that donates, buys tickets, gets to come out and watch their friend get punched in the face for what they believe in. <laughs> That's amazing. So it's inherently a really scary thing that these people sign up for. They're getting way outside of their comfort zone. They haven't boxed before, but they're willing to do it because of this thing that's bigger than themselves, this cause that they believe in, this change that they want to see in the world. And so they're willing to wake up early and go for runs. They're willing to get in the ring and spar and take a few punches to the face. They're willing to get uh, really uncomfortable and, and call people and ask people for money, which is not an easy thing. I'd rather get punched in the face than ask someone for money any yeah. day. Likewise, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, one of, the, one of the reasons why I leaned into this opportunity is I've boxed a lot, but I've never chess boxed. And I haven't chess boxed against the best people in the world. So I was able to, to develop a little bit of empathy for the 300 plus people that have gone through our program by going through the same kind of journey where for eight weeks I'm training for eight weeks, I'm fundraising, not just to cover the cost of the trip, but for the nonprofit that that I direct. And then I get to do this really scary thing on a world level, representing my country, representing my organization, and see what happens. And so I signed up, I started training, and my very first day of training was a big uh, blow. <laughs> I thought because I grew up playing competitive chess, it would be like riding a bike. I could shake off a little rust hop right back on and, and be able to ride like I used to. But that was not the case. I showed up to my very first day of chess training and it was at a children's youth camp. So that the kids that were at this camp were eight to 12 years old. Oh, no. I was like, ah, good little warm up day. Oh, like I get to, I get to take it to a few kids and oh. shake the rust off. This is going to be great. Didn't you ever see little man Tate? You should have known. <laughs> I should have. And and the beautiful thing about chess is that it's non-discriminatory. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter what, what socioeconomic class you're a part of. Anyone can beat anyone. And so I'm sitting down across from kid after kid after kid, 12 years old, 11 years old, 10 years old, and I'm getting checkmated by every single one of them. And I'm, I'm getting really humbled. I'm getting really frustrated too. And so it gets to the very last kid. And he's one of the youngest in the class. He's eight years old. He's been bouncing off the walls. He can't wait to play me. All kinds of energy. He sits down. I'm like, all right, this is it. I can't lose every match. <laughs> like This is my last chance. You're all going down. <laughs> this kid starts playing me. And he's he's bored with playing me he's watching the game <laughs> oh, next no. to ours while he's beating me and he beats me and, and like you know i i stand up i go to my chess coach i was like hey i need a little break and i go out in the parking lot i get in my car and i cry like i literally sit there and i'm just like <laughs> i lost to every single kid i just signed up and told everyone in my life that i'm about to go compete in chess boxing 
Like, what am I going to do? How? And I started thinking, like, how am I going to get out of this? Like, how how can I like come up with some excuse or whatever? Like, this is clearly not uh, what I what I should be doing with with my time. Like, I, this is this is not going a good place. So, start thinking about all this stuff, crying in my car, and I look in my rearview mirror, and I I see all these people that have gone through brawl for a cause that have wanted to quit too, that have come to me and been like, I'm quitting. This is too much of a time commitment. I'm quitting. Um, I can't break my nose. I'm quitting. All, all of these different excuses that everyone comes up against. And some are stronger for, for some people than others, but everyone has some period, some point in time where they want to quit. And this was my period. It just happened to come on the very first day, losing to an eight-year-old in chess. But I hit that wall and I was like, all right, I can't keep running this organization. I can't keep talking this talk if I don't walk the walk and fight the fight right now. Like I got to go back in there. I got to keep getting beat by kids and I just got to get better. <laughs> like that's the only option here. So I kept training through the eight weeks. I, I got in the best shape of my life from a, from a physical standpoint. And I put about six to eight hours a day of, of chess or breathing training in. So when I wasn't doing physical stuff, I was training not just my brain and chest, but you, you can get exhausted doing that all day, every day, studying mm -hmm. openings, studying responses, studying patterns. So what I, what I also focused on was breath work. And I, I really love yoga. And yoga has this whole tool belt of breath work that I had a hunch would really help in chess boxing because of that minute in between rounds. So re remember I said – you're, you're switching back and forth between chess and boxing, and there's one minute to put on your gloves in between rounds. Well, I thought, okay, it doesn't take that long to put on gloves. And even while someone's putting on gloves for me, I can be priming myself for whatever the next activity is. So I can be psyching my nervous system up, getting ready to fight someone right after a chess round. Or I can be calming myself down, getting my heart rate down, getting my adrenaline down right before a chess round. So... What I started practicing is two kinds of breaths. One is called samavriti or box breath, or in the armed forces, they call it tactical breathing. So it's slow four count breaths, increasing intervals as you get further and further along in your count. So I would breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and then I'll go to five and then six. And my goal was in one minute to get to eight second counts. Because I'll get my heart rate down to where I could be able to focus again. It would get my adrenaline levels down. And I was also priming myself every time Every time I practiced chess, I was doing that breath before I played chess. My body knew, okay, now it's chess time. And then afterwards, I, I would practice what's called fire breath, kapalabhati. So it's basically hyperventilating over and over and over again. And, and psyching up your, your central nervous system so that your heart rate rises, you enter that fight or flight kind of mentality, and you're ready to, to pounce on someone. So at the beginning of boxing rounds, I usually had a little bit of an edge where even though we were just sitting down for four minutes, now, you know, I, I was I was real and ready to go. And I would do that before my boxing trainings to prime my body. Hey, now it's time to get in the ring and, and do your thing. The breathing thing, when you as, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world to try to, because there's that element of the fast and slow and trying to work with your mind. Is that something that a lot of the world level pl uh, fighters, players do? Is that take that element or is this something 
kind of new where you're like, I think we need to look at this differently. Yeah, I, I think it's more the latter. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think this is kind of a newer movement. I, I think in general, society is, is moving towards a more mindful approach to life. People are getting into yoga more. People are meditating more. And, and breath work is an inherent part of both of those things. Now, breath has always been important in sports, right? Mm-hmm. But it's usually a sports-specific breath rather than like a, a mental priming kind of breath. So specifically in chess boxing, I, didn't, I couldn't find many training materials. I didn't have any training partners while I was tr- preparing for the world championship. So I was, I was creating a lot of it as I went. And I, I knew training in that transition was going to be important. It was just like a gut thing because everyone's training boxing. Everyone's training chess. Like, how can I differentiate myself? How can I get an edge? Because these, all these people in the world championship have more experience than I do. So as I was doing these priming things, I was like, this is what I got to rely on. This is something that can help. And I got into the 2018 world championship and it ended up being the, the difference maker for me. So I ended up getting through the early rounds, winning by, by checkmate in all of my matches. Wow. And just because you win by checkmate doesn't necessarily mean you won the match on the chessboard. Like you could hit someone really hard, they could make a mistake on the chessboard the next round, and you capitalize on that. So uh, I, I won by checkmate, but about 80% of matches in chess boxing are also won on the chessboard. Um, but but that doesn't necessarily mean the deciding factor was a, a stellar chess move or a, a stronger chess rating. Um but I, I ended up getting to the finals, and I, I competed against a, a Korean guy. Um, he was about nine years older than me, and he had a lot more boxing experience than I had. And in the other matches, I, I my advantage had been boxing. Um, and so I knew that this one, the, the chess, was going to be really important, and we were pretty evenly matched in chess. So at the end of the first round, we had an equal position. No one had a piece up on anyone. And so, like – going into the boxing round, like, you know, it it was really going to matter. And he came out, are you guys familiar with uh, like what a Southpaw is in boxing? Have you heard that term? Mm -hmm. So for those that don't know, it's a regular stance is, is right hand dominant, which means your right hand is back and it's, it's your power punch for Southpaws. It's inverse. They're left hand dominant. And so they have a different foot forward. It's a regular movement patterns. It's an irregular uh, kind of like defensive mindset of what punches you look for and how you respond, how you counter. And so this guy came out southpaw. And I hadn't trained against many southpaws. Um, I wasn't prepared to, to fight one. And the very first punch that he landed out of the gate stunned me. Like caught me on the chin, knocked me back. I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> my corner's yelling southpaw, southpaw, southpaw." So I like try to switch my mental framework. I'm like, okay, I'm facing someone I don't usually face. And this guy, he he knows how to like uh, take away my strengths, which I, I was I was definitely in better shape. I, I had a little bit longer reach. I was a little quicker, but he just sat back and let me try something and then he would just time me and counter me and and he he won the boxing round for sure but at the end of the boxing round i had one last kind of outburst of energy and i sent a flurry he went back into the ropes and i caught him with my last punch of the round right above his temple and when i hit him i kind of saw his eyes go a little funny like you know he kind of like phased out for a second i was like oh i think i did some damage 
And I, I, I watch him kind of like stagger to his ring, get his gloves off. I'm doing my breast, right? I'm slowing down. I'm focused on him. I'm starting to like condition myself to get ready to play chess. I sit back down at the board early. I'm studying the position. He comes a little bit later and it's his move. And his very first move, he takes a white rook, moves it, hits his timer and looks at me. And I'm, I'm like flabbergasted. I'm like, what, what just happened? Like I've been moving the white pieces the whole game. The white king is closest wow. to me. Like I'm white. And I look at the ref and the ref looks at me. And at the same time, we kind of realize what happened. And so the ref takes the white rook, puts it back, resets the timer and says, excuse me, you're, you're the black pieces. And I was like, this guy doesn't know what color piece he is. Like, this is my chance. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got to capitalize on this. Let's go. So I started getting really aggressive on the board, moves I wouldn't usually make, but I'm just putting pressure on all of his pieces every single move. And about three or four moves in, he makes a mistake. Then he makes another mistake. And then he starts snowballing. And so I get a big advantage. And right before the end of the chess round, I, I checkmate him. So I don't have to go into another boxing round where he could stun me again or potentially knock me out. Like I ended it. And I was, I had this like flood of memories, like back to like eight year olds beating me at chess <laughs> and, you know, training, breathing in my bathtub and like all this crazy stuff and, and realized like, I never expected to win. Like I expected to be a scapegoat or not a scapegoat, like a, like a sacrificial lamb right? and just be the first American to ever compete in the sport. And that would be cool and raise money for my, my nonprofit. And that would be cool, but never expected to win. And that moment I was just like, what? Like won a world championship. Uh, There's about 200 people in his corner because he was also the coach for the Indian chess boxing team. So they, they had been cheering loud the whole match and they're just dead silent. And I had three people in my corner uh, my and they're they're American and we were just like like USA like three of us chanting USA <laughs> that like American flag and all that stuff um, and it was such an incredible moment and and it was uh it was something that in my life I never I, I never thought I, I would compete on that level in anything I never thought that that I would feel like there was a sport that I was tailor made for um, and uh, and yeah it was just like this this feeling of completion and accomplishment that was really, really rewarding. Why do you think more Americans aren't getting involved in the sport? I mean, first and and primarily, I think it's because there aren't events here, which means there aren't people training for events here, which means there aren't places to train here. Um, So it's, it's really, it's going to take a first mover. And I think I'm probably that guy to like take the risk, put up an event, probably lose money on it the first time, but get a few people to, to do it, have people see it in person, that whole kind of thing. What, what I'm trying to do prior to that happening is, is put it out digitally as much as possible, which is why talks like this are important, which is why social media is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and just raising awareness for it. Cause like uh, even just yesterday I had a new kid out of DC, six, five loves boxing, grew up playing chess, has a pretty low chess rating, but is willing to practice and wants to sign up for the next world championship. And and that keeps bubbling up. So like, you know, there, there's people all over the country that are reaching out to me and Ipe and Ipe generally sends them to me if they're from America. Um, but, but that, you know, have interest in one or both and want to try something new. And if you've ever wanted to represent your country in a sport on a, on a world level, like this is probably one of the easiest ways to do it. If you're, 
like if you're just willing to come to India or Turkey next year, the, the world championships in Russia, if you want to go check out Russia and, you know, maybe get your ass kicked by a foreign <laughs> fighter, <laughs> like sure. you can be on team USA, like I reach out. We, we'd love to have you. We'd love to, to fill all of our weight categories. For more information on chess boxing, you can check out their website, which is chessboxing.io. And to learn more about Matt's charity and to sign up for your own brawl, go to brawlforacause.com. Be sure to follow Why the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our YouTube channel for some additional great Why content. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hedquist, our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthno Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel? <laughs>